It's time once again for Not Playing with Lex and Dan. I'm Lex. I'm Dan. Dan, it's great to be watching another movie with you. I really feel like there's nobody else I'd rather watch a movie with these days. That's very sweet. The only problem is since we record the watching process, I can't eat popcorn during the movie watching experience. You can. We've got a lovely thing that's just a remove popcorn filter. Mm. I actually put remove popcorn filter on my popcorn. It makes it taste very airy. It's very delicious. It's a little better than salt and it's better for you. Well, this is, uh, of course, our, our show where we watch movies that either one of us or both of us hasn't seen. And tonight it's my turn to be in the dark. I'm going to see a movie for the first time. Are you excited? I'm very excited because this is a movie that I can reference, even though I've never seen it. Uh, and I will now actually get to see the reference that I'm making. Uh, so the movie is, I think it's a Kevin Costner starring film. Maybe he wrote it. Maybe he directed it. I don't know. But I, I, I think he's, he's, no, in he's it. just Yeah, he's in it. That, you got that much right. And it's I'm giving uh, you field, credit for that. Field of Dreams. Spoiler, the field is full of dreams. I think that it's, this is what I think I know. The things I think I think are this. Uh, Kevin Costner is like a dad or somebody who loves baseball. Maybe <laughs> wow, what were, the, what were the odds of that? Maybe he's like a, a washed up former baseball player. I don't know. Or, or really, maybe he's just trying to infuse in his children a love of baseball. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he has dreams that tell him he should build a baseball field in his backyard or something. And I'm sure his wife is going to be like, you're not doing that. And he's going to be like, honey, I have to because the dream keeps telling me if I build it, they will come. Well, really, the dream says if you build it, they will come. But he's got to turn it into the first person. And uh, then he's going to build the field and dead baseball ghosts, who I won't recognize because I also don't pay attention to baseball, will come out and play baseball with him and with I mean, his son. I, also, this is, this is also a spoiler. Um they're not played by the actual dead baseball players, so you, you wouldn't probably recognize them anyway. Well, unless they say, like, hey, it's Babe Ruth, then, I, uh, <laughs> then I'll know what they mean. Um, I imagine that nobody's going to believe him at first, and then people will believe him, and it'll be amazing, and his son will love baseball, and his wife will get back together with him, because I'm assuming at some point she gets mad at him and leaves him, and they all live happily ever after. That's what, that's what I know and what I hypothesize about this There's film. There's an interesting mix in there. Um, I will say, of course, you are, you're not 100% correct, but you have, you've got some elements of it. Uh, I think you'll be surprised. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at, at this movie. I, it's I one of, it is a one, I, I don't know. It's one of, it can be kind of sappy at times, but I also, it's one of those somewhat sentimental movies that I really like. And it's directed, um, I believe, by a guy who's directed uh, uh, one of my other favorite movies, but um, which is uh, Sneakers. Have you ever seen mm. Sneakers? I don't think I have seen Sneakers. Ooh, that might have to go on the list. Well, let's go. We got a rich vein here, so there's there's a uh, a lot for you to learn, a lot for you to love. And I will say, by the way, the, the most of what I know about this movie comes from Wayne's World Two. I mean, most of what you know about most movies comes from Wayne's World Two. So, Dan, I have my movie queued up. For me, it's at about the 17 second mark. It's right after the Universal logo has faded away. I'm right there with you. All right, three, two, one. <laughs> Is that it? They're a field. The field has been dreamt. Wow. Well, that was something. 
something he says. I don't know what to take away from that. It was all right. It was all right? Just all right? It was all right. It was all right? <laughs> the angry PTA mother. Hang on. I First, I want to know what else Lee Garlington did. Oh, she's been in a bunch of stuff. I've seen her. She's still around on TV. I'm trying to remember what I saw her in most recently. Right. She seemed very familiar to she's me. What was her last name? Garlington. Garl- the vo- there, wait. Check out the end of the credits. Wait, I'm not there. Oh, you missed it. The voice himself? Yes. They never tell you who does the voice, huh? I think I looked it up at some point and they didn't even know. <laughs> so Maybe you I... could find. Yeah, like the like wondering. the guy, I looked up the thing for UHF where they had the voice of the guy right. in the car and they said Al, Al Yankovic had forgotten. Vic. Yank. Yankovic. Hey, Al Yanka this. Oh, that's just inappropriate. So should we um, should we talk about the movie now, having seen it? We can talk about it. I'm just gonna turn the volume down just a little bit. So oh, I, I, I press stop. I assume I, there's no cool. like scene there at, at the, the end. end. He joins the Avengers. That's probably well, not. I as liked funny it. <laughs> as as I was trying to express to you during the movie a little bit, I. Uh, I didn't like the rules of the field. See, the rules aren't important. That's the thing. Is it's not. It's a metaphor. <laughs> What's it a metaphor for? It's all. I mean, it's about the pastime of the country, and it's about him playing catch with his dad. And you know, I don't know. The rules don't matter so much to me because it's not that kind of a movie, to my mind, anyways. You know, that's what I kind of love about it. That there's this air of sort of you know magic around it and it doesn't necessarily have it's not like harry potter right where it's like oh in cast a spell you need to say these exact words and we never you know we have this very prescribed formula for how that works this is a little bit more who knows like who knows what's going on like who knows why the voice talks to him who is the voice is it god like you know there's a lot of questions and i feel like i'm okay not knowing the answers to those questions because that would just take some of the magic out of it I, I I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I thought that it was okay, but I just felt like, and I, I don't need it to explain it. I don't need to dispel the whole thing out to me like, here's what was happening. I didn't object to the fact that I don't know who the voice is necessarily, and I don't know why, uh, I don't know why it's talking to him and why it's so important that he helps the various people he helped along the way. I just I think it's unfair that Doc walks off the field to save their daughter's life and now he can't play anymore. I think he should have gotten another at bat, at least. He never got the field. The one time he was fielding in a regular major league baseball game, he nobody hit to him. Right, and then but he didn't the, get the field in this the game. The point of that for Doc is that he makes the same choice, right? He makes the choice to be a doctor because in the end he feels like that's more important than playing baseball. But what if? He had had a hugely successful baseball career, became a multi-millionaire, and then donated all that money to cancer research and saved 10 billion people. Well, that would be pretty impressive because there aren't even 10 billion people on the planet. But I... I, There could have been if it weren't for all this cancer that he's not curing. If only he had saved all of them. Um, It just, to me... I understand your point. Yeah, I I don't know. There's, There's... like I said, it's a sentimental movie, and it's it's perhaps a little sappy at times. I I still really I really love it because it does have that atmosphere of it, which I think is really hard to capture. I and I don't know sweet. that any of those other things would have enhanced the movie. I mean, that's probably true. I, I think the other part of it is that I like the bittersweet part of that. 
you know, the fact that he makes a choice and he can't go back from that choice or the fact well, that they asked Terrence to go and not Ray. Well, do you think he knows before he steps off the field that he'll never be able to step back on? I guess he does yeah. hesitate. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, he knows. He yeah. knows. Okay, so you know you're right. The fact that he knows ahead of time, that makes it okay. Although I don't, I still don't understand why don't they just say, bring her to me. I guess they don't want to move her. Because well, I mean, if you want to be critical at that point, why are they leaving a kid choking? Don't call an ambulance. Maybe the ghost right. will save her. <laughs> like, yeah. if we're talking about realism, I mean, I, I, I would have encouraged. I would have encouraged mom to keep going to call the that. Yeah, that is okay the one thing up. that in this movie is. I mean, I think I was willing to let it slide a little more when I was younger because I didn't really think about it. But like, as an adult watching that, I would be like, everyone's standing around the child that is slowly asphyxiating, and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. hold up. There's a I also I didn't love that Doc is like this child is choking. Like you don't have to say that. Just he's deal a, with a, it first. Folks, like let's let's cure first. He's folksy. He's a yeah. folksy doctor. I liked. And I will tell you, much funnier than I expected. Yeah, it doesn't uh, take itself too ser- like I think it that there's an element of you know it realizes how insane it is, which I think works for it. Yeah, and I mean the the, the characters themselves are funny. They make jokes. I like that. Um, I do hope that the players come back at some point when all those cars are lined up because it's got to be boring to just watch somebody play with his dead dad. They don't even know that he's well. I mean, they're dead. They can dead. come. They can come back whenever they want. I hope so. And I think yeah, I was looking at this. Um, yeah. So this is based on a book, right? Um, which is written by a guy named W. P. Kinsella. So not Ray Kinsella, but um clearly inspired by him i did know that in the book i believe terrence mann is actually jd salinger it felt like it was supposed to be yeah i think they yeah and it says the phil alden robinson who directed it rewrote him as uh because i guess i guess salinger threatened to sue (laughs) um yeah so he he turned it in james earl jones but it's fine because i think james earl jones is fantastic in this movie i think he does a nice job a lot of laughing uh did you um and terrence mann is not a real author no Okay, good. Because I was feeling bad that I didn't know who he was. All the baseball players, I think, are all real. Maybe not Archie Graham. I'm not sure that. I think everybody else is real, though. And uh, I, I also learned after we watched the movie that uh, that uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are in this movie. Oh yeah, that's right. They are. I, need, I, I don't did. know that you can see them. No, they're they're. I think they're extras in Fenway Park. Yes, they're spectators at yeah. the Red Sox game. Um, the field is real. And oh, I believe he, is, built it? is still there. Um, it's a it's a tourist attraction, basically. According to according to Wikipedia, um, it was sold in most recently in 2011 to a company called Go the Distance Baseball. <laughs> um, but it was a tourist destination for a while. Um, yeah, so uh, there's there, I, I love that they do the location shoots in Fenway and Boston. Like that makes me happy just because it's I I get so frustrated in seeing when they shoot movies in, in places that are quote unquote Boston, but are clearly not Boston. So that makes me feel good. And I, I really, I don't know. I love all the characters in this film. I feel like uh, Amy Madigan, who I, she doesn't do a lot of work. I've seen her in some other stuff, but as the wife, she is, I think she's fantastic just because I really I think she was great. Dynamic. I thought she was really funny. I thought their relationship was really funny. And I totally expected, you know, a woman who was going to be like, no, you're not going to build that stupid freaking baseball field. Like, I expected a... That would have been the, be the cliche, problem. right? Like, right. that would have been the trope. And I think it was nice that they sidestepped it and showed that they had a very strong relationship, even if it gets tested by this. She was on Fringe. Thank you, IMDb. She yeah. was totally on Fringe. And she was on... Um, I know her best from... Uh, 
uh, HBO series that ran for a couple Carnival. seasons. Carnival. Carnival, yeah. She plays someone, a much, much creepier character in that show. <laughs> I, um, you know, what I thought, uh, what I thought worked was, well, I'll tell you what. I, knowing about this movie only from not having seen it, I expected that first we were going to see, you know, uh, more evidence of his love for baseball and why he's so passionate about it. And they really tried to pack in what little affection he had for baseball, I guess, early in that voiceover. And that was, I would say, I didn't love that the tremendous voiceover exposition, which I think was a very 80s movie sort of approach. Yeah. But that part I didn't love. Also, apparently in the book, uh, Ray Kinsella has a twin, identical twin, Richard Kinsella. He doesn't even make it into the movie. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that would have worked. It would have diluted it a little too much. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, they already had that big effects budget, so... According to uh, Wikipedia, uh, during a lunch with the Iowa Chamber of Commerce, Phil Alden Robinson told about his idea of the final scene with headlights for miles at the horizon. They replied that it could be made. Dyersville was blacked out as part of a community event that also involved commuters driving to the field. The drivers in the final shop were instructed to switch between their high beams and low beams to allow for the illusion of movement. The film crew on the farm was hidden to make sure the aerial shot did not reveal them. Wow. I liked it. You know... And I, I think I can understand why people would love it. I think that if I if I had this movie as a nostalgia thing, I think I would probably have loved it well, again you're, you're now. Also, you're also not a huge baseball fan, right? Right. Well, do, well I was going to ask. Do you think that's a part of it? Like, do I you think, think that you have to be a big baseball fan? I mean, I think it certainly helps, especially if you know anything about, you know, the Black Sox and the, right. the whole scandal. I mean, and I grew up with, you know, my dad is a, is a diehard baseball fan when you asked as we were recording if if i could rattle off statistics and well i cannot he definitely can um what what it's funny because i was thinking even before we watched you know anytime it seems like it's getting mired up in baseball stuff i'll just do a mental live real-time translation into football but i do not think this movie works with a football field i don't don't (laughs) think so well it's a different type of game and you know even if baseball has lost it a bit in you know the last few decades i think it has become so much more commercialized but there is there is a nostalgia and history for it in a different way you know because of being sort of a you know regarded as the national pastime it's a it has a it's a game with a tremendous amount of narrative um, both in terms of the game itself and also in terms of its history and as a kid i lapped up like the history of baseball stuff and i had baseball cards out the wazoo and classic baseball cards and i would you know read all this stuff and i read books about baseball and novels about baseball and i was really 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 bad at baseball was the thing (laughs) i have one i like like archie i had one career at bat (laughs) or no I i had many at bats i had one hit in my entire little league career so, when you and I, uh, when you appeared on another podcast of mine, when you appeared on Unprofessional, we told the story of how I bunted a triple. Yes, it was, yes. It was a big moment for me. I was a yeah. designated bunter on my team and, because and, I was I was always a year or two younger than everybody else because I was the youngest guy in my grade, <laughs> and so everybody would develop physically before I did, so they could all hit where I really couldn't. So I've had a bunt every time I was at bat. It was sad. Yeah, well, I I, I think maybe I told I don't remember if I told the story about my one hit, which was a single. Um, and would have been a, a, a extra base hit, except the people in front of me stopped it second. Made me sad. That was that was the, that was my, my. I remember it as the last hit I ever, your know, last <laughs> at bat I ever had. Um, right. But I, I don't think that's true. But it was it was you pretty know, late in my career. The um, I'll tell you what bothered me here. And besides besides my my unhappiness with the rules of the field, which you have sort of convinced me were okay, and I didn't love 
I mean, I love time travel, but when he goes back in time to see that guy, I wanted a little bit more understanding of how that happened. Because that's a whole new layer of magic and supernatural sure. wonderment. And I thought that we should give some justification for it. Because all he did was walk outside so Terrence could talk to his father. Uh, by the way, now his father is, has a dead son, so that's kind of sad. Well, is um, he dead? I don't know. Like, that's the thing is, you know, we don't, I mean, we never get Field of Dreams 2 where Terry comes back. is like, oh, I went through the hell and the brimstone and the fire. And let me tell you, Ray. <laughs> well, no, I think once Terrence walks off, he's accepting his death. And I mean, how can he, I mean, I think he's dead. But anyway. I don't know. I mean, it's I was, possible. It's possible. But it's open. I like that. It's open to interpretation. I think there's there's a discussion there. All right. Well, okay. I accept that it's open interpretation, but I think any interpretation that's not he's dead is wrong. <laughs> You're very open. I can tell that. Um, but no, here's what I was going to say. I didn't love the um, the father-son relationship described by Ray mm-hmm. because he was saying, like, he had, he was, his mother dies when he's young. And then he was saying, you know, he read one Terrence book and he decides he's not going to play catch with his dad ever again. And then he, what he said was to Terrence, you know, when I was 17, I said something horrible to my father. And then Terrence was like, well, what'd you say? And he said, I told him, your hero's a criminal. So I never, I can never respect a man whose hero is a criminal. Right. And that's not really a horrible thing to say, especially at 17 to a dad. Like it doesn't, it feels to me like Terrence at that point had to say, you know, your father probably did not carry around that specific sentiment with him the way that you have, because to a parent, that's just one more line of bullshit. Well, yeah, but is it? Is it necessarily what he said, or is it the fact? Is it the intent with which it was said? Right? Like, I can I can think of arguments with my parents where it didn't necessarily matter what the text of the argument was. Like, but if there's sure. an underlying sort of you know uh, vitriol that sort of comes out with it, and you could see it's like I mean it's the fraying of a relationship in which it didn't matter right that that relationship was going to snap at some point right. and that just happened to be the way it manifested itself but I, I mean I understand a your little point. bit forgiven I wanted to, I wanted see like here's what I don't like I don't like the sentimentality of saying you know I was at some points I was hurtful to my father and our relationship wasn't perfect but now I've done magic and my dead dad is here to play cash with me and now all is forgiven I wanted to him to have some sense of it's okay because you were young and your father always loved you. Like the parent in me was like screaming internally, like this man needs to hear that it's fine and that the way he should pay it forward, the way he should fix this is by having a good relationship with his own daughter, which it seems like he does in the movie other than like leaving her for many days to go pursue some craziness. But you know, it seems like he's a good dad. I feel like he just, I wanted somebody to go up to him and say, listen, it's okay. Even if dead dad never magically reanimates to play catch with you on a baseball field of your construction, it's okay. And I think, you know, I understand your point in that. I think the issue for me then is then it becomes, it's a little too literal. It's a little too, you know, uh, just sort of put out there. Whereas, you know, it's a little less metaphorical, right? And I think that to me, it's a little less interesting if it's like your dad always loved you. It's like, well, we know parents love their children for the most part, right? Like we don't need you to be told that. You are a major that. field of dreams defender. Well, no, I like this movie a lot. It means a lot to me. <laughs> so, I'm, I mean, I'm... I'm not, Did you, you know, watch it with your dad the first time? Oh, God, no. I, th- I think my dad would f- find this, like, totally, like, <laughs> sentimental and crappy. Like, he's not he's not a huge movie fan. Um, no, but, I mean, it, it, it definitely makes me think of aspects of my relationship with my father, especially because my father is such a huge baseball fan. Right. Um, so it means something to me in that way. But, but from a writer's perspective, I also love that it has – see – I, I understand the frustration in not knowing how these things work or the time travel or things like that, but I kind of love it because to me it 
it works, despite the fact that it shouldn't work and that the rules aren't explained and we don't know how it works, it plays because the atmosphere and the filmmaking do such a good job of convincing you that this is what happened that to me, it just, it sells me, right? And that's, I understand it's not necessarily the case for everyone, but I, I, I really, I love that. That scene where there are two scenes, the scene with James Earl Jones standing in front of the truck, you know, and yep. saying that he moonlight Graham, that scene, and then the scene where Doc Graham walks off the field, they both, you know, like make the hair on my the back of my neck go up. Like it's visceral for me, and I think that is. Wait, what was the second scene I missed? The, with uh, with uh, the Doc Graham walking off the field. Ah, uh, yes. Like okay. both of those are scenes that are just like, and I heard your breath catch a little bit when the kid falls off, which is a dramatic scene. But like right. to me, both of those are things where it works so well because it just hits you on a gut level. Um, at least for me, like it makes me feel a, a physical response. And that, that's impressive to me because filmmakers don't often accomplish that in my experience. Interesting. So that's why I'll, why I'll defend it. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 like I said, I think it was good. I was seeing that, um, uh, premier magazine listed this movie on their list of the top 20 most overrated films of Ouch. all time. Ouch. Uh, but no, I think it's, I mean, I liked it. And there were a lot of scenes that I liked. And what I'm realizing is that for me, the scenes that I liked the most were the ones that were further away from the baseball field. Like, um, I loved Amy Madigan in the uh, school board BTA yeah, meeting. Yeah, sure. Um, I loved all the, I loved that scene where he first meets James Earl Jones. I thought that was good. So like, I enjoyed the movie. I think it was fun and funny. Um, I it, it won't crack my, my own top 20, but maybe it's, it, like you said, it could be that, uh, I don't have a strong baseball connection. And my guess is that it's really like I'm seeing it, I don't know, 20 years too late. Well, no, that's fine. I mean, and, and we're allowed to have different tastes. Well, you're not allowed, but <laughs> I guess it's okay. So, you know, and, and this is why we're, we're having a cultural exchange. You know, I, I think of this as it larger, not just seeing movies for the first time, but like we're, uh, we're exchanging some views. That's right. And I like that. Yeah. Well, well, we'll, we'll see if we, um, I don't know. I, I'll debate whether or not Phil Alden Robinson's other major film sneakers makes onto the list, which also features Timothy Busfield in a slightly menacing role. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, I like Timothy Busfield. Hey, you know what? I just read something really interesting too on IMDb and I, that I think is important. Would you like to share with me? Or just the line, Hey dad, you want to have a catch originally didn't include dad. Audiences were disappointed in the lack of acknowledgement of father and son. And the word dad was looped in during post-production. And I think that was important to me. No, I, I agree. I, 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 I agree with you on there. I think I, I heard you complaining about it. And I like that it gets referenced. I also like that it's done in a subtle way. Like, you're right. He could have introduced them to, you know, introduced into his family and sort of like, this is your granddaughter. And I think, I don't know. Also, if I was that ghost, I might be a little like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just playing baseball here. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> and, saddle me with this baggage. The thing is, especially, I don't know. I have a thing whenever I watch a series finale that it always makes me uh, think about my own mortality in ways I don't like. So if I'm watching a show, whether it's one that I'm, I'm mainlining on Netflix or if it's, you know, I've been watching it in real time over the course of years when it's the season, the series finale, I feel really weird and depressed, not just because I won't be able to see that show anymore. But it's like things end, including my existence. And so for me, when I was seeing this movie drawing to a close, I was like, this is going to end, and this man needs to know that this is his family. It was important to me. So I, I appreciate that they added that line in, or that word in, I guess. 
I think it works. I, I'm I'm happy with it. It's also, I believe, the, the last, you know, basically the last exchange in the movie, right? So right, right. That's that that to me is the capper. That brings it all home. So you've never read the book, though, huh? I've not. I've not read the book. I, well, I, maybe I maybe I need to do some reading. I think you should read Shoeless Joe by W. P. Kinsella, who is name checked in the Moxie Froofus song "My Baby Loves a Bunch of Authors." Uh, okay. And you should also know that when they when studio audiences complained or when test audiences complained about the title, thinking that Shoeless Joe was going to be a movie about a hobo, which, by the way, is embarrassing for those audiences. That's a little sad. Uh, and they changed the title to Field of Dreams. They, they call up W.P. Kinsella and say, here's the bad news. We're changing the name to Field of Dreams. And W.P. Kinsella said, that's all right. I That was the publisher's title. I wanted to call it Dream Field. <laughs> so it all worked out. Yeah, everything works out in the end. See, it's all, maybe they'll make a movie about that. <laughs> that would See, that feels like a real tearjerker. A, me- a meta movie. Uh, written by Charlie Kaufman. Well, would you like to know what we're watching next I time? I would love to know what we're watching next time. Tell me. It is almost Star Wars-esque. Oh. And I say that only because uh, Star Wars, uh, you got Darth Vader. His real name is... Anakin Skywalker. Anakin. Yeah. And Anakin rhymes with the title of the movie that we're going to watch oh, next time. Oh, dear. <laughs> we're watching Ramekin? A movie about <laughs> little things that you make popovers in? You're very close. We are watching the 1987 hit Mannequin, starring, of course, Andrew McCarthy, Kim Cattrall, Estelle Getty, and James Spader. That is quite a cast. I love this movie. Okay. I, I look uh, forward to experiencing it for the first time. I believe I might have seen a little bit of it, but I'm pretty sure I have not seen the whole thing. I really love Kim Cattrall's character in the movie. And I, um, if I could marry as a, as a mannequin that comes to life, it, well, it's kind of. This is a theme in the 80s, right? Because you also got a a weird science. Right, right. But I mean, it's once she is alive, she's just so in love with Andrew McCarthy. It's really sweet. (laughs) I like it. All right. I look forward to it. Well, Dan, it was a pleasure watching Field of Dreams with you. Thank you for introducing me to it. Well, and thanks for sitting through it. I appreciate it. No one's walked out of a movie yet so far in this run. So that's, I feel (laughs) like that's a success. This podcast is over. I agree. And you know what? With each one we've watched so far, whether I've loved it or merely liked it, you can you can feel I think how others might just love it. So I'm glad that we got to to watch it or relive it along with. I you. I don't think this series is going to be a success unless you know by the end of it we're like bitter and sniping at each other like oh well yeah but you like Field of Dreams. <laughs> It'll come. We'll yep. be the two Muppets in the back of the theater. I look forward to it. Well, we uh we hope the rest of you out there, if you're still listening, will continue to join us next time. Oh, uh, not playing with, with Lex, Lex and Dan. Dan. <laughs> High five! That kid uh, slept for a long time in the back of that car. He's dead. (laughs) Well, twice, apparently. Right.